All right, we are live for the Mike and Mario show. Excited to be back. It's been a while, but uh, we're here nevertheless. So, Mario, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, good Friday today. So here it's a holiday, I guess, in the U.S. as well. Yeah. So and it's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful day. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to be back. Yeah, uh, you yeah, were away nice. last week. Yeah. But uh, it just makes you uh, more keen to come back. And uh, I think the viewers also uh, miss, miss the... Uh, Mike and Mario show. Definitely, definitely. All right, so we are live now. Looking forward to connecting. Lots of stories to get caught up on as well as, you know, things to look forward to. But uh, one thing I wanted to start off with, just because it's making headlines, and of course, take it for whatever it's worth, but it's worth talking about because well beyond, you know, your country, my country here, we're, you know, we've been very blessed and privileged to be able to to, to live the way we've lived. But yet in other countries, uh, they have not been able to share in those same privileges. And so I'll put together a little visual aid to kind of start us off just because I think the fiat currencies as the world spins is the primary problem. And it's reflected in the cost and the increased cost of living and everything around us. But, you know, Mario, when you see this visual aid, what's the first thing that sticks out or comes to mind on your end? Uh, all the paper money, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, the uh, thing is that uh, we hear people giving excuses like supply chain, the, the war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. But no one talks about the 30 plus year uh, years mm -hmm. of globalization, financialization mm -hmm. of the United States, of yeah. the Western European yeah. economies, where we've outsourced a production of everything that's real to all these other countries uh, that are not in the West. And we've created a massive uh, credit bubble. Uh, we've uh, allowed central banks to create currency, uh, trillions of, upon trillions out of thin air. They've bailed out Wall Street back in 08. Some people forget that. And we're paying for that because uh, they had to issue debt to bail out Wall Street. That's how it works. And yeah. the taxpayer has to... to to carry that. And the same thing goes for the UK and Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. Europe was bailed out in 2012. Mm -hmm. These are based on credit and consumption and where we've outsourced all the production of real things and the extraction of real things like commodities to other countries. And now it's coming home to roost because, yeah. and I think 2020 was the uh, key there, uh, the amount of trillions that uh, the major Western central banks uh, created, uh, spooked uh, the BRICS countries, and they're saying, yeah, we don't want your dollars or your euros or your pounds anymore. Right. And, and that's reflected in the value of the currency. Uh, of course, many people look at it as inflation, but the inflation's already been baked in the cake. And mm -hmm. what we're getting now is the value of our currencies dropping. And when that happens, uh, the value of everything that we have to use to buy you know, use the currency to buy goals up. Right, right. Very bullet point. And so one of the things that you know came to my mind was that uh just how the, the global assault on you know the working class in particular that are forced to use the fiat currencies that have been deliberately destroyed, and those currencies in and of themselves have been the primary catalyst as to why uh you know this wealth transfer is 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 still it's becoming more it's com it's coming harder to hide. Because governments now are looking for as many excuses as they can to point the blame towards someone. And of course, the Middle East, as well as the Ukrainian Russia situation, is a primary reason they're going to use that. And here in the West, you know, the Putin price hike is becoming a mainstream <laughs> buzzword that Biden loves using. So uh, more charades, man. But, you know, it's hard to hide the increase in cost now. And so more videos are surfacing, more people are talking about how they're needing to crack down and determine what's how they're going to allocate their spending moving forward. So once again, in the last 40 years, we've never had uh, issues like this. And even in the UK, I'm seeing more articles talking about how the price of living, the concern of living, things like that. And it's impacting people's overall happiness and, and, and lack thereof. And so that I want to let uh, take that one into the next little visual aid that I sent you just because it's it's it, it you know it's something to look into, but uh, I just thought it was worthwhile. But this is uh, something from Visual Capitalist. It says the most and least happy countries around the world, and this is not even including the monetary financial side of things. This is just five or six different criteria they're using. But if a majority of these purple slash pink fuchsia countries are already unhappy, according to this source here, what, wait till you factor in the financial side of things. But <laughs> what are your thoughts when you saw this? <laughs> 
Well, uh, I'm not surprised that the Ukrainians are very unhappy. You can east uh, least happy in Eastern Europe, and uh, I was surprised to uh, see what, there's an island there uh, off the coast of Africa. There, yeah, what they're called. I mean, Zulu man here, Mauritius. But that's you know it says is the most happy in Africa, but it's not even in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was surprised that Brazil was fairly happy, six three, yeah. and uh, I was surprised that uh, Portugal was less happy than Brazil because I, I I think of Western Europe still pretty in pretty good shape relative to like countries in Latin America mm-hmm. and uh, Finland, I guess. Uh, the hap- looks like the happiest country in the world, and they're looking to uh, to join NATO as well. They might yeah. not be too happy after they do that because Correct. I don't think the Russians are going to be too uh, impressed about that. Right, Putin's already made it clear, you know what 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 what's on the table if that happens. So, uh, but I just thought this was interesting because the metrics they're using. You know, which it says here, social support, life expectancy, freedom to make life choices, generosity, GDP per capita, perce- uh, perceptions of corruption and positive and negative effects. So those are just things that have nothing to do yeah. with the financial round. Even within countries, maybe like Australia, it looks very happy yeah. uh, and even Canada. But uh, I think there's still also a lot of very unhappy people in those mm-hmm. countries, especially in the last two years, you know, people right. forget very quickly what's happened in the Australia and Canada yeah. because of the, that thing, you know, right. that we don't right. talk that much more about. Right. And is, is it any surprise that, you know, where it's like, I think this article mentions about Canada being one Canada as well as Australia, one of the happiest. And I'm thinking, like, I don't think the Canadians are really all that happy given all the things that they've experienced and witnessed as well as, the fact that their Trudeau is a world economic forum's primary puppet. So I'm like, uh, but it, it was entertaining to say the least, but uh, I want to touch on the next one that you shared uh, with the, uh, with the map and how the actual size of the countries <laughs> are not yeah. really what they seem, but you know, what, what, what <laughs> this is what you, this is what you said to me. So share your thoughts well, on this one. Well, you know, uh, the, the, the world map that we usually see is called the America tour map. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it focuses on the northern hemisphere. If yeah. you notice at the equator, it's a lot lower. It should be in the middle of the screen. Mm-hmm. And what that does, it makes uh, Russia, North America, and Western Europe look a lot bigger than they really are. So yeah. this is how this is the true size of the continents. Mm-hmm. And it shows that Russia actually is not as big as it seems, nor Western Europe. Yeah. So this is a good one here. This is how they show it to us. And now this is how it should be. Mm-hmm. Look at Greenland is very small, but it looks huge. Right. <laughs> but right. Uh, I'm not sure if that's to do with the uh, vestiges of colonialism, you know. Right. You know, and, and I has a, I'm thinking of like, you know, when you look at the, the globe, the Earth globe and how it has been changed. And I'm assuming this, what we see on in the U.S. from academia is a lot different than what they might see in South America or even in Africa as far as the actual size of the continents. Because each each uh, creator of, a, of their own digital versions of a globe has their own incentives to make it look like they are bigger and better. Like, like yeah. in, the, in, the, in the North America region, America is so much bigger. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually think in... Uh, if I remember well in Brazil, we used also the Mercator map, so it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so let's keep moving right along. For those that are plugged in, appreciate you for blessing us with your presence. Uh, definitely throw out some thoughts, ideas, suggestions, and we'll do our best to touch on them. I but, just want to oh, no, go ahead. I wanted to touch upon you said something about the cost of living and how the average people, workers getting uh, hit harder. Mm-hmm. And that's what inflation does. It, it, it uh, hurts those on fixed income, those uh, pensioners, the working class, yeah. you know, uh, the poor, poorer people. Right. Uh, and uh, the, the people who are wealthy, they, they're able to, because they earn more, they can put more aside and uh, convert those fiat currencies that are going to zero for real things. And they actually sometimes become even wealthier so it, it's right. a system that is that's created the, all the inequality in latin america and other third world countries 
Right. Very good point there. And and, and when it comes to the, the people who are who are who are better off during times of transition happen to be the asset owners, people who own real things that the world needs. And uh, those are the ones that tend to profit no matter what, because they actually own assets that produce for them. And so that's that goes into our education system and lack thereof and how we view our labor and everything else. But uh, a lot of this is playing out right now, I think, with the whole Twitter uh, Elon Musk feud. He has 282 billion net worth or, or worth in, in total, uh, and he is willing to pay three billion or how many ever billion? Forty-three billion. Forty-three billion. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like he got he got some he got some money to play a currency to play around with. So, uh, primary example of how the last two years have been very generous to a lot of uh, asset yeah. owners. I remember uh, a few months ago he sold quite a few shares in Tesla. Several and, rounds. Uh, and. Uh, he, I think that he was already thinking of buying Twitter. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that, yeah. But he was, and uh, I don't, you know, and it's funny. I saw a headline saying, Oh, how is he going to finance the purchase of Twitter? But a guy who's worth a few hundred billion, mm-hmm. why does he need financing to buy a company that's 43 billion, right? Because right. when I listened to him, I think he was on the uh, what's it called, something B. Uh, I'm not sure as recently. Yeah, he was doing an interview with this. They're kind of, uh, I forgot uh, their name now, but uh, it was a really good interview. And he he was telling them that uh, he doesn't have any debt. He doesn't Mm -hmm. have any offshore accounts and that his finances are very transparent. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that (laughs) the mainstream media says, how is he going to finance the purchase of 43 billion? Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) I mean, very easily if he's, got 250 billion worth of tesla right. he can sell a quarter of that and right. buy twitter right or or just leverage leverage having ownership of tesla and use that to finance because uh, in that sure. class most people love to use other people's mm. currency yeah i.e the robert kiyosaki so why use your own when you can easily yeah. get someone else's <laughs> i'm not sure he's that kind of guy but maybe yeah. he is who knows yeah but I, and I also assume he has a nice, hefty team of individuals around him that can, you know, chime in where he's lacking in, in uh, financial mm-hmm. literacy or whatever. So, uh, but let's keep moving along. We've got lots of stuff to touch on, but you kind of hinted at where I want to go next. And that happens to be about just the headlines that are popping up, you know, primarily in the developed world, but definitely the pain and impact is being felt in the other nations that you know are not getting enough attention. And so this is just something out of the Guardian talking about the uh, cost of living crisis. And of course, the Bank of International Settlements is coming out with their two cents on it. And they, they, they're they pointing to uh, inflation and whatnot, but not not telling us that it's their fault and the central banking aspects of things, the reason why things are, things are the way they are. So I just thought these were interesting because uh, people are feeling the pinch in real time. And even in this article here, um, one of the one of the, the fathers was talking about uh, his concern of the cost of living going up and his inability to sustain, to sustain himself, and he's afraid that he might have to turn to crime. And yeah. I'm thinking, like, wow, like, okay, that typically happens during times when things are tight. You got a choice: feed your family or go make a way, make something happen. And I'm like, wow, we we haven't really seen anything yet. And I think this story is out of the out of the UK, so it's like, wow, like. Yeah. I saw that, yeah, uh, and that this guy was, he lost his job because he hurt himself, mm-hmm. so he's on benefits, and uh, I'm not having a go at people who are on benefits. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, they fall in tough times because right. of no, no fault of their own, and uh, uh, when you have a, a job that doesn't pay well, it's difficult to save so that you can keep going if you lose your job, but it, it shows, uh, again, that uh and this is uh my opinion that mm-hmm. uh the welfare state makes people more dependent mm-hmm. and it costs people because if we didn't have to finance the welfare state even people who for example uh didn't earn as much as a well-paying job maybe he, i think he was a laborer or something he'd be able to save more and, and uh if there was an inflation as well, he would be able to uh, afford things. Mm-hmm. But now what he's talking about is universal credit, which is basically uh, the dough. They mm-hmm. call it universal unemployment benefit. And it's only a few hundred pounds a month. Uh, and, and I think even if there wasn't 
a cost of living crisis, you still can't really live on 260 pounds a month, right? Even if inflation was zero. So yeah, yeah it's unfortunate. I feel bad for for that guy. And I think he's not the only one. I saw a tweet last week from a labor MP. Mm-hmm. And it just shows how he's out of touch. He was talking about one, two of his constituents, a couple in their 80s. And apparently they've had to turn off the heating because they can't afford it anymore. Yeah, and the husband, who's 83, is thinking of going back to work. And this MP said, how can this happen in the fifth richest nation in the world? Well, he, he hasn't been looking at, you know, uh, the monetary uh, fiscal situation for the last 20, 30 years. Yes, right. we are living on debt. And that's why it looks like we're wealthy, not just in the UK, but also in the US. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And that's not saying that uh, the standard of living here and in the U.S. are, you know, are bad, but mm-hmm. we've been living on borrowed time. Right, I agree. And, and speaking of living on borrowed time, um, the baby boomer, gener- baby boomer generation, those who are putting the most work, that's, that's the demographic I tend to, really dive deep into because they uh, were a part of this hyper financialization of the monetary system and, and enjoyed the benefits of it. But now things are starting to hit the fan and that is the primary reason. And you mentioned retirement, uh, having, having, having to have to consider coming out of retirement. So there is a new movement beginning right now and it has to do with, you know, unretirement and it's on the rise. And so I, I thought about this. And so it says uh, a lot of us workers now, uh, are deciding to get back into the labor force just because of the increased cost and things that when they were being told to put aside funds, they were not able to basically ha- they didn't had a foresight in realizing that monetary policy would end up being their worst enemy and destroying what they thought that pot that they thought would grow exponentially. Yeah. They- in actuality, it's, you know, compounded inflation has eroded that significantly. So, um, but unretirement is something we're going to hear a lot more about, unfortunately, and that's why. Yeah, it, yeah, it they, they haven't they haven't been listening to the Mike and Mario show, I guess. Right. <laughs> and uh, the other thing I would say, even the uh, baby boomers who are better off, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they're not guaranteed either a, a good retirement because uh, if the Fed and other central banks go ahead mm-hmm. with their tightening. Um, we could see stock markets uh, correct big time, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of their wealth is parked in paper assets, right. uh, things like the stocks and bonds. They have very little hard assets, I would say. Right. So even those people who are middle to upper class, they're under threat as well. And I think that's probably why the Fed in the past and and the um, Congress have, have been so determined to stimulate things but mm-hmm. will they pull the plug this time who knows uh, it, it feels like they want to but you never know uh, if you look back the fed whenever they start tightening and there's an, a, a problem a big crisis they reverse everything and start printing again but this time if they do it again it, it, it could basically destroy the dollar and you destroy the dollar and you d- you destroy because people are going to say, when are they going to stop this? Right. Yeah. So I have my, you know, I have some very deep, deep opinions on how things will unfold. And so uh, but let me get to this first. So you mentioned about uh, hard assets and, and in regards to if, a, if not if, if, but when a correction occurs, how it's going to be a readjustment of the pricing of every single thing and including hard assets and the primary asset that people have been taught or been led to believe is a, a reassured guarantee wealth preserver mechanism is their, is their home, their real estate. And so yeah. for the, for the retirees in particular, you know, you, once you secure your house, pay for it or not, 
that's an asset you can keep and borrow against and pass on, whatever, whatever. But we're witnessing that, how that might shift. And then also beyond that, you, you know, the stock portfolios, all the you know financial products that were sold to us. But, you know, when the stock market has its hiccup, everything else will uh, come into play as well. Oh, yeah. And then this plays into just the concurrent surge, to the, uh, the, the slowing down of the housing market due to borrowing costs all across the board going up. So this to me is more of an indicator as to what uh, could be one of the leading drivers towards this next, uh, you know, market downturn on top of the bond yield, you know, inversion, things like that. But, you know, this is not helpful in a country that is built upon everyone deserves a right to own a home. It's, it's your, it's your, you know, it's, it's a God given right that you must own. Like, but are you really owning when you're financing and you don't really pay it? So, so anyway, yeah, long story, long rant there. Yeah. It's the same thing here. Uh, they say that the uh you know an englishman's home is his castle mm-hmm. and you know they i was surprised when i moved here in my 20s 30 years ago i was from switzerland in switzerland uh, back then it was different people rent a lot mm-hmm. but i was surprised so many young people already had mortgages and were buying homes you know in their 20s yeah and uh yeah i forgot to say that also if we see the Fed tightening and we saw that mortgage rates now, a 30-year mortgage rate is above 5%. Yeah. I think it's part of the year uh, around just above 3 So it's a big move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we could see, uh, and I'm not saying that owning real estate or land is a bad thing long term, but there's a, a lot of people out there who are highly leveraged on their yeah. real estate or their home. Uh, even people above 50, I would say. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that could be another thing that hurts, uh, the middle class quite a bit. Yeah. Big time, big time, big time. Okay. So let's keep it moving. Um, more things to touch on here. Uh, let's, uh, let me see what else I got here. What's next. So, uh, okay. We, we, we can't go too far without talking about, uh, what's happening with Russia and the sanctions. And so here's something I thought was interesting. U.S. sanctions on Russia likely to boomerang drive inflation higher. Well, they're already doing it. I mean, <laughs> and uh, I would say, though, let's not put the blame on uh, rising prices because inflation <laughs> is really uh, the creation of money and credit. I, Correct. Keep saying, I keep reiterating that because we got to put the blame on the people who created the money and credit out of thin air. Uh, but it's true that prices of commodities have gone up since the uh, start of the war. But if you look back, we were talking about this in September last year, how natural gas was making all-time highs, how we'd have a shock in Europe uh, yeah. in the spring of this year when they lifted the caps, for example, in the UK. Uh, we, we already saw oil uh, you know, go through the roof before, even before... Uh, the Ukraine war. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, it's going to make it even worse. And at least it's going to give uh, the powers that be an a scapegoat. Right. Right. Here's uh, <laughs> our, friend, here. our friend, fat bastard. <laughs> <The> fat bastard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so here's, okay. So Mario, here's one of the, there's another camp out there. And I think it's, it's the, the deflationary recession <laughs> camp saying that when this next market glip, you know, you know, hitch glitch happens, central bank driven because of the tightening, things like that, yeah. they're, they're sucking out all the liquidity, which has been the primary inflator of all the assets. When the, as they pull that out, there will be a day of reckoning. Now that day of reckoning will result in a complete collapse of the prices for housing, the equity market, like, you know, Dow, the Dow Jones will probably have one of the most, I saw that, that chart you shared, I shared as well, the Dow to go ratio, Basically saying that, you know, when it, you know, when the Dow drops, you know, maybe half of an ounce would be the equivalent of what you could use to acquire a share of the Dow, which is a a significant drop. So in that environment there, for those who have liquidity or access to funds, that will be the biggest buying opportunity in a sense, because everything might be cheap. uh, Yeah, the deflationist camp, I think they confuse terms Mm -hmm. uh, because, um, what they're talking about is a correction in asset prices mm-hmm. down uh, deflation of prices. Uh, but I, I think what's going to happen is that the currency 
for everyday goods, for basic necessities, things are going to get worse. Mm -hmm. We had it in the 70s. And the the same people, the Keynesian uh, economists who are still in charge, they didn't think it could happen in the 70s where you had a recession Mm -hmm. and rising prices. And again, they think it's going to be the same. They they still they think that we're going to have deflation of prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, maybe asset prices, but consumer prices I, I think are going to remain high mm-hmm. because, yeah, all the uh, currency and credit that has been created out there is still out there, mm-hmm. and uh, I doubt the. Uh, the Fed and the other central banks really want to see uh, the money supply really tumble yeah. because that would be deflation. What they're going to do is unwind, try to unwind their, their balance sheet. So I'm not in the deflationist camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, have been looking at money velocity like Jim Rickards. Yeah. And he, he didn't see uh, this rise in prices or inflation come come so they've been wrong about it yeah so so to 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 break reiterate all that so on the consumer goods sir side of things the things we need on a day-to-day basis food water shelter whatever you're gonna you're seeing you're gonna see a continual spike higher as currency chases those goods because they're they're finite in nature yeah and our currencies are gonna go down in value as well so it's gonna call it's gonna require more units of currency to acquire the things we need on a day-to-day basis and then on the asset bubble side, like, you know, for the stock market and the right. real estate. So those prices will correct. And yeah. Come down and to the a- liquidity, the ideal liquidity, in my opinion, to have is uh, gold and silver. Because mm-hmm. they're real cash. They're going to hold their value and might might even go up in relative terms. Yeah. And uh, yes. And hard assets as well. Commodities are going to yeah. hold their value. And, and that's why it's going to be really tough on the uh, majority of the public. And and it's going to be tough even on uh, the people who have are asset rich, mm-hmm. paper asset rich, I think. Right. Right. So I want to, here's that chart I was referring to here. Um, we're showing the uh, Dow to gold ratio and just this, you know, this technical analysis of long-term trend of what could be in the future. And so this red line all the way down here, is the Dow Jones, if it happens to tank, what a yeah. half an ounce ago, not a single ounce, but a half. Yeah. Never really happened before. I, yeah, I'll uh, go through this a little bit because I, I've seen this Dow gold ratio going back to like the early 1800s. Mm-hmm. And what you will notice is that in the 1800s and uh, up until 1913, yeah. the Dow gold ratio, it was choppy, but it was quite stable. Yeah. And that. Uh, Basically, this is how many ounces of gold you need to buy a Dow. Mm-hmm. So the higher this is, the the it means the the top of the credit cycle. It mm-hmm. means you know a bubble. Uh, and uh, ever since 1913, if you notice, the the credit cycles are getting bigger and bigger. Mm, right. And uh, all this will mean when if we go to below one, it means that with one ounce of gold, you'll be able to buy two two Dows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that could happen. And um, we will have to see what happens after that. Right. If the Fed stays around, we could have an even bigger uh, credit, uh, you know, uh, growth, another yeah. cycle of growth in the next 30 years. If not, if central banks disappear, we could see a little, we could see the credit cycle start up again. But it won't get as extreme under a central bank, mm-hmm. central banking system, because central banks, they and the Fed especially, they've been um, artificially inflating these credit bubbles. Yeah. And that's why they're getting bigger and the corrections are getting worse. And yeah. if you look at that again, actually, uh, the top of the current of the last credit uh, bubble was mm-hmm. in uh, around 2000. You could argue that we've been in. Uh, deflation in terms of real money gold yeah since then you know we've we have had a counter trend rally but now it seems to be killing uh over again yeah and then also just just on uh you know we we witnessed the global lockdown 
and just that to be reflected and just this small little just a, a little jolt it was a, it was minor in comparison to what uh is proper probably on the table moving forward so this got it going out to 20 i know tell her what time frame this little line goes out 2030 there. yeah it says it's it's, it's within this decade ultimately it's so, possible uh, it could be even quicker who knows right right or especially be, or it could take a little longer Right. Especially with every central bank, you know, the UK, Canada, everybody's trying to, they all are coordinating this mm. tightening phase that has never been done before under this type of fractional reserve credit dependent system. So they, you know, they clearly know what they're doing. They're not incompetent in the fact that they're trying to deliberately bring down some things so that they can rebrand, restructure and issue the digital versions only. And basically have the ultimate welfare state, because if society crumbles, the supply chain is the is the primary focal point of everything. Real goods and services moving logistically, putting everything on a blockchain ledger, tracking, tracing it, and then they'll allocate it according to your score on your phone. The ESG credits go all that other stuff that's a part of this global heist is, is so predictable, in my opinion. But. Yeah. Um, to move on further, let's talk a little bit about um, what's happening with the yen. So you did a great video that's going viral right now as we speak. Shine some light on what's happening and what what how'd you, how'd you what what got you on this? Well, I've been talking about how all the major fiat currencies in the world mm-hmm. will eventually go to zero. That they they're all sinking. And uh, to look at the dollar index is kind of a waste of time. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I even wrote an article back in 2007, which is still online about that. Yeah. And uh, the yen being a major uh, fiat currency yeah. uh, considered by many as like a safe haven currency um, <laughs> is not acting like one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been following the yen against the price of gold, XAU, JPY. Yeah. And yeah. recently... Well, as of yesterday, we closed almost at 250,000 yen per troy ounce, which is an all-time low for the yen, all-time high for gold. Uh So I think it's only a matter of time when the other major fiat currencies like the the pound, the Aussie dollar, the Canadian dollar, the euro make new highs, uh, like make new lows versus gold. And also the dollar is going to follow. And right now what's happening in Japan is that uh, the the Bank of Japan, uh, they've conti- they're continuing to do QE. Uh, yeah. They have no intention of raising rates, no in- intention of uh, uh, tapering. Mm-hmm. And they're also doing yield curve control. And they're basically destroying the yen. And yeah. that's very serious. And I think... Um, also, the Bank of Japan and Japan, they've been a guinea pig for this monetary policy that we've seen in the West, yeah. extremist uh, policy of zero rates or negative rates, QE. And I think eventually we're going to go the same way of uh, Japan and we're going to see our currencies drop massively versus gold, which is, of course, gold going up. Right. And that's why I think it's so significant what's happening to the yen. Yeah. And speaking of which, as you're describing this and to me, what's it's not as it's not as sad and sombering of a, of a feeling to watch the fiat crumble when we view gold and silver as constitutional slash lawful money. And it's reflected in the amount of paper units needed to acquire an ounce. So having an ounce or more or whatever in metal, in money you're on the benefit you're you're benefiting from their own chaos and destruction so to see this chart go up like that phrase that they use in the crypto space to the moon you know there there's no ceiling to how high the fiat price of money can go in silver gold terms just because yeah. it's real it's it's it's, yeah. it's the it's the kryptonite towards the <laughs> towards the, a crumbling uh central bank ponzi scheme so uh, it's just more of a, an incentive for people to take advantage of the current yeah. regulation in the West. Yeah. And, it's yeah. It's just a matter of time. And what this is like an escape valve as well for investors mm-hmm. who in Japan, because 
bonds, Japanese government bonds, they're paying nothing, you know. Uh, he's put a lid at 0 0.25. Mm -hmm. So they're printing as much yen as they need to keep the interest rates low. And, and uh, But there's a price to pay, and it's the currency. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. See collapsing against gold. Right. And I think uh, eventually it will happen in the U.S. and the U.K. because we can't afford to let uh, the 30-year uh, or the 10-year yield go to 4%. Mm -hmm. So they're going to come back and start doing what the Japanese are doing. And uh, and it's my opinion that their currencies, you know, the dollar, the pound, the euro, will go the same way as the yen. Hyperbolic. Um, all right, let's so acknowledge a couple people. Uh, Kwame King, appreciate you, my friend, for the love offering. We got Miles. Miles has a question or some thoughts. It says, can't central banks just literally destroy and erase all the physical and digital cash they want combat to combat inflation? They can just write it off. One more payment on my rent on my wrench. One more payment on my wrench. <laughs> um, so I, I think so. I will share my two cents on this. So I remember seeing last was two years ago, three years ago, uh, MasterCard in Canada decided to cancel all the Canadians cards or something like that and they wrote off the entire how many ever millions worth of losses and that was on their ledger for so if the digital representations of canadian dollars were able to be discharged with no problem and you know not sure the repercussions of that but on the commercial side i think it probably is probable but then again somebody's asset is somebody else's liability so yeah. the counter to that will be the problem well, I think the central banks, like the BOJ, mm -hmm. is destroying the value of the the currency. That's yeah. what that that chart of gold shows. Yeah, and uh, they don't have to destroy um, the physical uh, Japanese yen. They just have to destroy the purchasing power of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's probably because Japan <laughs> has over two hundred percent. Uh, that to GDP as a government. So uh, the 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 lower the currency goes against the yen, uh, yeah. against gold. Sorry, uh, that's that's a how can I say that's a, a default because gold is the ultimate form of payment. Yeah. So if you have a lot of that, the best thing you can do is to allow your currency to collapse against real money because then it will be very easy to pay that debt eventually and i think that's the way we're gonna go uh because destroying currency like that you stop economic activity destroying debt and uh with the hyperinflation that we're seeing in japan i think it's hyperinflation or very high inflation even though people say there's deflation in japan but you're basically uh keeping the system going and uh yes it's the next best thing to uh physically destroying the currency i would say right and speaking of that as you're as you're saying that first thing that came to my mind is that i remember always having heard that you know the japanese people uh they are probably the they have the greatest that their demographics are a lot older and they're savers so they have you know they're considered a superpower uh, when it comes to savings so they're the ones that are basically being hit the hardest with the weaponization of the yen and so they're literally losing more than we can ever imagine because they're considered to be like super savers in, in a sense yeah and, and what's happening here too is that the boj is kind of a foreign arm of the fed mm -hmm. and what this policy mm. in japan does to the savers is it pushes them to buy treasuries and other uh foreign bonds yeah so if japan wasn't doing this to destroy their currency and keep their uh, yields low, I would think that treasury yields would probably be way above 3% by now. The mortgage rate in the U.S. would be probably 6%. Yeah. So <laughs> Mrs. Watanabe, uh, the you know, that's what they call the Japanese saver. Mm -hmm. She's like the, pro how can I say, the 
prototype or icon of savers. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's holding up the uh, the world bond markets for now. And uh, I think we need to keep an eye on the Japanese bond market because if uh, the Bank of Japan loses control of the yield there and it starts going up, you could see um, the yields for treasuries, for gilts, for uh, European bonds go up as well very quickly and uh, it won't be pretty. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, to, to, to counter that, tradition of being savers and that's a part of their culture another co- another country that also has you know savings built into their coat their coat their their culture happens to be uh the indians that it says households have stocked up twenty five thousand tons of yeah. gold so it's a different type of savings for a different outcome but in japan they got the digital representations and you know all types of products Whereas in India, they got actual jewelry around their neck in the form of real, real metals that. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> this is according to the World Gold Council. Yeah. And I don't trust the World Gold Council. Uh-huh. They're aligned with the central bankers and, and uh, they're trying to push the Indian uh, public mm-hmm. to basically uh, Lease. sell their gold and, out their and, gold. and have because they're saying, oh, you should have uh, ETFs, you know, physical gold is too cumbersome. And uh, so don't trust the World Gold Council. And to uh, if there are any Indians watching here, keep your physical gold. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd definitely imagine for everyone that's tuned in to Manico 64 as well as RTD, <laughs> we, we really, they know the importance of getting their weight up literally. So mm. uh, I, I, I doubt it's hard to fool someone on the... Uh, Austrian school of thought anyway, especially give and take what's going on now. But let's get to some questions. So feel free to throw out some thoughts, ideas, suggestions, questions, and uh, we'll share our two cents on it. And uh, yeah, lots of stuff is unwinding very rapidly. Uh, All right, let's see here. If anything jumps out to you, Mario, feel free to. Yeah, Rolf Steiner says this is a huge battle. Uh, Let's see. uh, Where are we at? Of the entire world to get out. Uh, from under the American Empire jackboot. I agree, but uh, I don't think it's the American Empire in terms of the American people doing this to the world. It's more the the financiers, uh, the Anglo-American Wall Street, City of London establishment. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good thing. And, and uh, I'm not against bankers per se, yeah. but dishonest bankers and what they've been doing since 1971 I mean, it will be a great day when this whole house of card cards implodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, unfortunately, that a lot of people will be hurt, but the prospects going forward, I, I hope, are, are going to be a lot better. Right. Uh, you need to sometimes uh, the forest needs to burn down for it to grow again, right. so to speak. Right. And then to I got another another question right here. Somebody got to you, but also uh, just to go back to this map earlier about this is just a generic version, the generic measurement of the world's happiest and where you know whatever. And so it's it's very skewed. But the nations that are purple and and uh, fuchsia, whatever, those are the nations primarily in Africa, whatever. Those are the nations where they are already experiencing extreme you know financial issues, like just due to the fact that they yeah. are considered. But, you know, those nations are well below the quote unquote poverty line anyway. So those nations, they don't have much on the table to really lose. Yeah. And if you look at that uh, map, the nations that are unhappiest, they're the ones who have all the natural resources. They're they're the ones who haven't been part of the uh, bankers club Mm -hmm. whose currencies haven't been, you know, manipulated higher. Right. So. I think those nations hopefully will be a bit happier after right. this shift from paper to hard assets. Just have another uh, question here. Yeah. Uh, Chad Knight, tell me about Glint. Is owning physical gold along with purchasing gold with Glint worth considering? Uh, I, I do. Uh, I am associated with Glint. Mm-hmm. I, I do have like a referral code. And uh, I, I do have a Glint card. And they do hold your gold allocated gold physical gold in the in the vault in switzerland and they allow you to spend that gold through their mastercard through an app mm-hmm. and some people like that right. um so it gives you the option but uh i personally wouldn't put everything with them 
Uh, right. I, I still prefer the physical, but it, it, you know, every everyone has a different uh, perspective. Right, and so I I, I have a a, a di- not a different, but a so I like to look at everything with a critical eye. And so I'm thinking like right now times are good to where you can swipe with no problem, and you can probably get on the phone and call representative say hey you know ship me my okay cool I'll put it on UPS FedEx whatever you got to do. But I'm thinking like when stuff hits the fan like what we're anticipating could be in the future rule of law and 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 contracts itself will be suspect to whatever jurisdiction you have to go fight those things i'm like you know in a a short term great in the long run i would question it just because i wouldn't trust no man no uh, and that's why i uh i prefer still physical yeah and uh but some people might want to Right. So diversifying and having a little bit. So I do believe yeah. that that is a great strategy yeah. just because you never because, know how uh, the yeah. wind may blow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess, yeah, there is a danger that the go, world goes Mad Max <laughs> and things get ugly. Yeah. But there's also uh, a danger, if you want to call it, that the world keeps chugging along. Correct. So, because you know, they, they, they've know. been doing a good job of being able to paper over a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. They can probably do that for quite much longer than we anticipate but here's another question and has to do with the crypto side but uh it says to mario don't you think their plan is to destroy the term of real money this is why bitcoin exists as it is capped not with what not with it but understand the tech yeah i i think you know they they've been trying to destroy the fact that gold and silver are money for the last hundred years but i, I don't think they will be able to because you can't destroy the truth mm-hmm um yeah bitcoin i think is and cryptos are in a way a distraction i think uh you know if we hadn't had bitcoin a lot more people would have gotten involved in gold because yeah. after the 08 crisis a lot of people uh woke up and said hey what's going on with this system and they started looking into the nature of money the nature of the monetary system and then right right when people started looking at that in 0809 uh, comes bitcoin mm-hmm. and um right <laughs> that's uh is coincidence or intentional like i'll let you know depending on what camp you're in we'll mm-hmm. determine what you think about that so um all right let's get some more questions out there let me see what else we got here um speaking of which silver be the ultimate form of a uh a hinder silver is the ultimate hindrance to the banking system oh yeah because it's more affordable now but yet it has yeah. upside because of its utility for powering the world ultimately so if that was to get into people's hands like the fact we have politicians in the u.s now talking about going on bitcoin bitcoin making illegal tent i'm like just encourage people if you really care to go out and get some, get a couple ounces. Make yeah, sure every citizen got a couple ounces. I think you know, silver is a uh, hated and forgotten metal, mm-hmm. but I, I think it will come back because it's it's a little bit like uh, gold. It's in our DNA. You mm-hmm. look at the the name of currencies uh, like dollar and uh, peso. It's all related to silver. Mm-hmm. And when the price of silver starts really motoring uh, up, people will wake up. Yeah. And um, and that's why they've manipulated silver the most. Right. I agree. To, to me, silver is the epitome of a stable coin. It doesn't move. It doesn't fluctuate. Only thing changes is the amount of digital yeah, the, uh, paper. And it's the money. It, sorry. It's the money and the currency of the general public. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, gold is good as well, but it's more... Not everyone can afford gold, but right, maybe right. It, that will change. Maybe it will be also very difficult to afford silver. Right. I do see that. I do see some type of an event like that unfolding. And I, I think a lot of the digital uh, transition that we're going through is, is, is geared towards the younger generation because those are the ones with the cell phone access. They only know Internet. They, and, and the tap and pay is all they do. They don't even hold physical paper no more. And that's that's going to be the medium uh, of, that allows a transition paper not being used by people by choice but then every the convenience of tapping and pay and eventually using your your hand or you know putting your finger somewhere and all yeah. that stuff but bar light broker says that he's indian we we're talking about the world <laughs> bar light broker's a gold he's a gold bug he talks where about is uh, low today. where's low blood pressure i haven't seen him yeah, lbp's out there man he's probably like no well today he's got the day off i assume 
Uh, but no, no telling. <laughs> but uh, Miles Miles says, why was copper stopped uh, being used as money? I think it's because the uh, price, mm-hmm. uh, the the price of uh, copper uh, went up above the face value of the pennies and uh, all the coins. Man. And uh, I, I think it was probably a bit manipulated, just like silver was. Yeah. But uh, it, it was it went out of circulation. Uh, because a, a penny, you know, the the copper in the penny, or in the in the UK they have the tuppence with two two pennies. Yeah, uh, became too valuable, so it went out of circulation. Uh, it's because of inflation, really. Yeah, and to, just to think about, let me. I was trying to put up a little visual aid here of just showing how how far we've come with the privatization of national currencies through central banking and everything has come from that because you know it wasn't too long ago where you know it was it was a penny a half a penny and a nickel and a dime and yeah all those. in the uk i think uh they had a quarter of a penny which yeah. is called a farthing <laughs> so yeah like we've come a long way to where the the value of these things as far as what you could purchase was more reasonable to where like a day's wage was like a dime or something like yeah, that two, yeah. three hundred. so yeah um but yet all of that can be made up when stuff breaks and gold and silver the fiat price is revealed for what it should be i think it could that could be a day of reckoning to make all that up as far as those who have it being able to sustain themselves a lot better than those who do not have them. So, all right. Uh, we are at that 50 minute mark, Mario. Um, let's uh, sign off and uh, leave us with some good news. Anything come to mind for you uh, heading into the weekend? Um, well, I guess it's the uh, good Friday today. It's like the Passover as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the, uh, the uh, Hebrews left Egypt. <laughs> so, Maybe, hopefully, uh, Pharaoh, which is like the New World Order, <laughs> will go the same way. You know, the New World Order will go the same way as Pharaoh. Yeah. We'll see, who knows? <laughs> Things, uh, you know, come in cycles. They, uh, they, they happen again. So maybe there's some hope. Yeah, 100%, man. Hey, I can't, I can't top that one, man. That's legit right there. <laughs> um, but no, it's always great to connect. Everybody, we appreciate you for blessing us with your, with your time. Manico64 on YouTube. Go check them out. And other than that, Rethinking a Dollar, you can find me everywhere. Be blessed. Be safe. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back at next week because there's going to be more to talk about. So, uh, and, you know, enjoy your weekend. Peace. Peace. <laughs>